Hi, I'm Tom Wren. Hi, I'm Emily Stenigan. Hi, this is Jake Parkinson. Hi, this is Holly Evans. I'm Ben Hook, and in conjunction with Sport SA and the Breakthrough Mental Health Research Foundation, this is Hooked on Sport. Hi there and welcome to episode 6 of Hooked on Sport. It's another opportunity to gather and chat with some of the biggest names in Australian sport. Now, if you missed episode 5 and you're into winning, I suggest you backtrack at some stage. We spoke with leading Australian psychologist Tim Danzi, who works with a number of Australia's most celebrated sports stars, and Wendy Schaefer, who is one of Australia's most celebrated sports stars, after claiming gold at the 1996 Olympics. Tim Danzi, via his psychology firm and his own podcast, Setting Your Children Up for Success, and Wendy, via Equestrian South Australia, are both major players in the well-being of sport and life in Australia. But today, our guest is the Chief Executive Officer of the South Australian Cricket Association, Keith Bradshaw. A former player with Tasmania, Bradshaw rose from Hobart accountant to perhaps the most plum role in world cricket, the head of the MCC at Lords, a position he accepted in 2006 and held for five years. Bradshaw subsequently joined Saka and has since been regarded as one of Australian sport's most dynamic leaders, notably with his foresight into long-form day-night cricket, which has delivered pink ball test matches around the world. And he was also a key player in the acclaimed redevelopment of the delightful Adelaide Oval. It's an incredible story. He, of course, has had to manage Saka through this significant chapter in South Australian and Australian sport. He joins me next. Hi, this is Holly Evans from the Adelaide Fire, and you're on Hooked on Sport. Keith Bradshaw, welcome to Hooked on Sport. Nice to uh, be part of it, Ben. Keith, uh, I think we've seen on television, radio, you name it, all we've seen is past sporting matches, whether it's great tight AFL games, incredible test matches, you name it, that's what it's been. Let's go back through your sporting career, mate. 25 first-class games, nine one-days. Is there one game that we should be re-screening, one of the great highlights of uh, Australian sport? Well, as you know, I played shield cricket with Tasmania, and I think I've made a bigger contribution to South Australian cricket than <laughs> when I played for Tasmania, Ben. I mean, you could play the McDonald's Cup final where you thrashed us down at the TCA ground. <laughs> I ran around all day when Hooksy and Flipper made their 452 at Adelaide Oval, chased a lot of leather. So, look, I think my – I was on classic catches, but I was the guy getting out. <laughs> so, I think that probably sums up my career, actually. <laughs> I had to get a real job in the end. So, yeah, look, by all means, play those games, but you'll just see me looking pretty stupid. <laughs> well, the, the one thing I say in my first-class career, if, they, if they're ever going to um, show the highlights of my game, they don't have far to go. I only played one. That was pretty <laughs> yeah. pretty simple to find the highlights. They were short and sharp. I, I did have one day out against Tom where I scored 100 up at the Gabba, but um, I think he, he knocked me a couple of times in the head and certainly told me my fortune for the rest of my life anyway. Where was the other first class 100? Uh, where was that? That was down in Tassie against West Australia. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Uh, very good. My my, uh, I, I work on the theory. My lowest score was ten. That's what I try and tell people. That, that should be the that should be the uh, the guide. Your lowest score. Hey, we're going to talk about South Australian cricket, of course, Keith. But uh, I just want to ask you to reflect briefly back on your time at Lords and you look at England now and the devastation in London. That must be fairly difficult for you to take. Even Boris Johnson, who I know you spent some time with uh, while you were overseeing the MCC, it must be 
must be emotionally really challenging for you. Well, they're, they're going through a, a really, really tough time, of course, as we all are, but I think it's it's certainly a heightened level there. Um, of course, Boris, with his problems, that was a real worry there for a week or so when he was in ICU, so really pleased to see that he's he's up and around. He's a terrific guy. I had a few dealings with him during my time at MCC, but to see the cricket season effectively, it looks like it's, it's just going to be wiped out over there, and um, the, the financial, the all that, the emotional, the everything that goes with that is it's just yeah people are really struggling with that and we even here you said we're watching a lot of sport that's been replayed from the past but there's such a thirst to, to get live sport back in front whether it's a closed stadium or not i think um it'll be it'll be great when the medical environment is such that we can do that most people would think the sa cricket association has been immune to all of this we lost a the last round of the Sheffield Shield and the Sheffield Shield final, we lost the grade cricket finals. Most people would think that that's relatively insignificant, but just describe the effect all of this has had on SA cricket. It, it's certainly, well, far more than that. Um, if I look at, you know, un- unfortunately, due to the financial situation we find ourselves in, I lost nearly a quarter of my workforce a few weeks ago. That was really sad. Um, it's, it's it's a horrible situation that's occurred and lost some, some really good people. We... Um, obviously through the winter months uh, or through the year, we've become very, I won't say reliant, but we certainly depend upon the income that's produced through Adelaide Oval. And as everyone's aware, the revenue really there has gone to zero. And as a 50% uh, shareholder, um, ourselves and Sample, there's there's a very significant drop in our revenues that that has come through there. Um, Our Cricket Australia contributions are dropping very significantly as well. They're under a lot of pressure at the moment. So from a financial perspective, it's, it's, been, it's been very tough. We, we've dropped our staff. Uh, everyone's taken, a, the remaining staff's taken a 20% pay cut, uh, working four days a week. Uh, and at the moment, the, the SACA office is effectively closed until next Monday. People are on leave, apart from a, a group of us that are still working at the moment. So it's, uh, we're looking at next year. Of course, content's very important for us. The World Cup, that's in obvious danger at the moment. We have an Indian tour, again, threatened, um, and then a big bash tournament where we need to, to look at what the options may be, should depending upon how long the um, the situation arises where or continues, where, one, either we're not able to play sport, or two, it's in front of closed stadiums. But mm-hmm. hopefully that will have passed by then. I, I can't imagine, and we're, we're talking about uh, the staff that you had to stand down. I mean, the, your friends, my friends, I, I can't imagine anything more traumatic in your working career than working through that over the past couple of weeks. Oh, Hooky, it's the worst part of my job. It's I, It honestly is, and there's some really good people. And the, the last thing you want to do, you want to look Yeah, for me, you know, SAC is about the people and, and having a great um, group of people who, and they are, they're extremely professional, they're extremely capable. Um, I feel like it's a family. So when, when people, unfortunately, are in a situation where they're in this situation, they were retrenched, it's it's a real, um, yeah, it's it's, it's, it's it's okay for me to say that. I mean, I'm still working, but for those people, the effect it has on them and their families is just, um, yeah, I think it's just indescribable. And there's so many people that are in that situation at the moment, it's uh, it's certainly very very difficult times. Mm, yeah, that's certainly the one thing I take out of it is just those that, that those human connections that you've obviously had, I've had to an extent as well. And we just wish all of those people all the best. And that if there is one sense of normalcy we can get out of this, is that those people 
find uh, the work that they're so eminently capable of. Um, Keith, what about the clubs as such? Uh, and we're, I guess a, a club-driven program. Um, how are they coming out of this? I imagine they're relatively unscathed, but is there challenges for the 13 SACA-grade clubs in all of this? Well, there are. There are obvious ones, uh, again, financially. We support those clubs with contributions to them. Um, so our investment into Premier Cricket through direct distributions, through you know, payment of volunteers and umpires and the like is, is, is you know, around a million dollars just for our Premier Cricket competition. So those funds will be reduced Um going forward as we get through this because it's a situation where every single line of expenditure is being cut or revised. I've been in communication with all the clubs. It's not something we want to do, but it's something that's, I think, inevitable and people understand that, that there will be significant cuts that will occur across the board in terms of what we are able to continue to fund, well, at least in the in the short to medium term anyway. So, again, it's it's one of those just really horrible situations because those clubs are the you know, they're the heartbeat of the community. That's where people go and 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 I guess socialise together. It's, it's more than just a game of cricket, isn't it, Hooky? It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's it's so much more than that. We know, you know. I, I played with one club throughout my career, and they're, you know they're my best mates and my family. And um, I, I understand the impact of of you know, reduced funding to clubs. It makes it very difficult. Does that potentially drip feed right through to community clubs, Adelaide Turf, Adelaide and Suburban, Para District Cricket Association, even the the regional leagues? Are, are they all likely to be somewhat affected? It, it's a bit. It's a mixed bag. There are, for example, there are grants that go out. Some are grants that we um, make ourselves, and again, they will need to be looked at due to our, our financial situation. There are grants that are being made through the government, so. Those will continue, and there's been some great infrastructure grants that have come out. But but just even in terms of our sheer manpower, which um, having dropped a quarter of our staff, um, you know, probably a quarter of those, or probably even almost a third of those, were through our community cricket program. So there's just less people that we're able to put out there at the moment to to work with, albeit whether it be schools or clubs or turf cricket or whatever. So yeah, it, there's not just the financial side of that, but the the resource side of simply being able to get out there and help as much as we can. Mm. Uh, Keith, is there upside to any of this? I perhaps think about uh, can you potentially look towards next summer as maybe a way to increase playing content? Is there options? I mean, I know it's very difficult in a crowded season as it is, but is that what perhaps Saka is starting to think about? Are there options to maybe add some form of cricket that – increases television rights or the potential for crowds to hopefully one day be able to return to sport? Is that Are those things on the agenda yet? Oh, absolutely they are, Ben. Absolutely they are. So whether that's domestic content, whether we're able to do things outside of the domestic, it, it depends on the ability to get overseas teams here as well, of course. Mm. Um, so, no, we're definitely looking at what options there may be. How will the Big Bash, for example, be structured next year? How will the Shield Cricket be structured next year? Um what can we do around our, you know, our competitions that we have domestically as well? So certainly there are conversations going on there. There's also been a lot of chatter, as you would be aware, around the football season being extended. Um, and, and my own comment there is to say, well, you know, we're, we're open to discussions on that as well. We, we're very fortunate at Adelaide Oval to have a, a fantastic curator in Damien Hoff 
And, you know, I think what's going on is bigger than football. It's bigger than cricket. It's about trying to get sport back in front of people um, for their enjoyment. It's, it's part of our DNA. It's part of our lifestyle. And, you know, we, we're certainly open to having discussions about how we might be able to coexist with, with football. There are, there are challenges, of course, um, in terms of playing surfaces and dropping in and out pitches. But I'm, I'm of the view, let's, let's have a chat if that opportunity comes up and see how we can all work together. It's a really good point. We know that stadiums are becoming multi-purpose. I mean, Adelaide Oval, I, I asked this question, are we better equipped than perhaps anyone else with the ability that Hoffy and his team has to turn that venue from a concert stadium to a cricket venue to a football venue in a, in a matter of hours, really? It, it is. They, so we had, I think it was the ACDC concert on a Saturday. We had 53,000 people. The Oval covered in mats. That night they worked all night. They dropped the pitch in. We played the first day-night test, I think it was five or six days later. So yeah. the whole ground was turned around. So the, the challenge around... I think football, obviously the centre square, but we can drop the pitches in and out. It's more the length of the turf. Mm. Um, in the cricket requires, you know, more of a carpet style and, and football requires more of the, the lushness. But if, if, if both of us can say, well, do you know what, if we're playing some cricket and maybe, maybe the outfield doesn't look quite as, as um, you know, brilliant as it always does and it's, it's um, like a lawn bowl green out there, mm then maybe you know, we, everyone understands that and we can live with that sort of thing um, you know, for, one, for one summer. Yeah. What about the possibilities for innovation in cricket admin? Uh, are you seeing stuff that you're – the way you're having to work now that you think actually this might work reasonably well over the course of the long term? Well, I think what we're seeing is the way we're working now from home, um, the need to travel – Surely there are some some cost cutting measures that can come in there. The, the way we work has changed. I think it will change forever. Uh, I think the way that we interact also with our with our members and our fans that that's also something we need to look at. So it, it, as you said, sometimes out of adversity, some good elements come from that. And certainly we're looking at you know, our strategy going forward and and how we might be able to reset or restructure ourselves better into the future. So, um, yeah, it does provide an opportunity to, to reflect and do that. I might be uh, expecting miracles here, but do you think that there will be a bit of a, a change in people's attitudes around sport? I mean, I, you, you and I have both been involved in cricket for all of our lives and you see petty spats and all of those things going on. And I guess Andrew Sinclair, the president of the SA Cricket Association, has been very strong and almost intuitive on uh, the fact that we seem to get caught up in uh, you know, gaming the system and a few of those sorts of issues. Do you think that people will understand, you know what, playing cricket is just so critical to the livelihood of the sport and the industry and the people who work in it that maybe we can just change that focus maybe a bit? I, I think you're probably right. And I think what, you know, perhaps sitting back whilst, you know, you and I, not, I think she, maybe you are still playing, but I, I'm not. Um, yeah, you maybe sit back and think, you know what, it's actually a privilege to be able to go out on a Saturday or Sunday and play a game of cricket, play with my mates, play against another team, as opposed to a right. Um, so, yeah, perhaps there's a, there's, there's a little bit of that will come in. I think people will just be so pleased to be getting out and participating again and and getting out and watching again. It's, uh, it's going to be interesting with the social distancing as well that, you know, it's become so much part of our lives at the moment and how we transition out of that. And do we actually ever completely transition out of that based on what, what's happened? I think that will take a period of time as well. So 
it'll be interesting to see how our fans react and it'll be up to us as administrators to to make sure we provide an environment where they feel safe and happy to come along to to watch sport um, you know, whether whether people will feel you know sitting in a packed stadium pretty much sitting right next to, to people they don't know um, maybe, yeah maybe there will be some resistance to that over a period of time we, we just don't know that at the moment. Keith, not a question, but uh, a point I do have to make. I'm as much worried about the people in the front of the grandstand as I am worried about the people at the back of the grandstand. I mean, we know that the back of the members is a very popular spot. I met my wife yeah. there. I mean, we can't afford <laughs> to lose that. There's there's beautiful relationships to be developed at the back of uh, of Adelaide Oval, Keith. There is, and, and that's that's an important part. Well, I said that you know, the Adelaide Test, it's a bit like the Spring Carnival in racing. It's, it's actually an event. Yes, we have a game of cricket on, which is paramount and it's important. But for us, it's about the experience of coming to Adelaide Oval and, and enjoying those benefits such as the out-the-back experience, being able to mingle with their friends. Um, people call it the biggest party in town, which I think <laughs> it is. Um, but it's, it's, it's part of the unique offering that we have here and it's something, no doubt, you know, given that we are able to stage test matches or international cricket or whatever, that that, that will continue. Let's take a short break to hear from John Mannion at the Breakthrough Mental Health Research Foundation. During these times, it's important to stay connected with family and friends. You can do this by digital social networking. You can keep in touch with people through social media, through phone calls, or even that text message. Why not set up a team apps meeting or a Zoom conference? There are lots of ways in which we can still stay socially connected. And now back to the show. I'm talking to Keith Bradshaw, the CEO of the SA Cricket Association. Just a couple more before we wrap things up, Keith. Has anything changed with the way you look after your elite players, both with the Redbacks and the Scorpions? They're obviously on leave at the moment, but has anything changed there with the current situation? Well, the thing that's changed at the moment is that we don't have a Redbacks coach. Um, so, But that's um, something we're looking at at the moment. With all the cost pressures that came in and, I guess, concerns that, you know, a few weeks ago, even will there be a shield season next mm. next, next season? So, um, do we need to be spending money on a red backs coach? Mm. But that, that that matter's being assessed, and in fact, it's coming up at an next board meeting. And I'd, I'd suggest that we would be looking to to start to move on with that process. Um, would be my my assessment and my recommendation at the moment. I think we're we're getting ready to get into pre season. How that looks, how that's structured. Again, it's it's a case of rethinking what we've done in the past and adapting to to the current climate that we, we're facing. And I know the guys are up for it and I've, I've spoken to, you know, I've spoken to Travis and I've spoken to Tim Nielsen and, and others. So it, it's going to be a, a different look at the way we go about things, at least for the short term anyway, but they're certainly up for it. And I think everyone is, just appreciates what the situation is and, and will work within the confines of, of what we have and I guess make sure that we, we still have a really great, pre-season training and um, that the guys are fully fit should that commencement come around and we're ready to go. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a really important season for us coming up too, Ben, as you'd, you'd appreciate. We, we had a, a disappointing finish to, I guess, the last couple of years finishing on the bottom. Now, having said that, it, it could have gone either way. Um, I've been really proud of the number of players that we've pushed up into the national system and, we, and they've had some success, but we we just don't seem to have been able to, to fill that, that void when those players go up. So that'll certainly be a focus uh, coming into the coming season and beyond. Yeah, uh, absolutely it is. So 
any has it sort of pushed it back a bit the I'm, I'm not it's not sort of a focus of mine I suppose but the the potential for appointment of a new senior coach is that likely to I mean you know what it's like the, the minute that Jamie um, finished up at uh, SA cricket the, the the next minute everyone wants to know who the new guy is but is that a process that we may have to be a bit more patient on Yes, it is. It, it's, it's not going to happen immediately, but certainly it's a process that I would suggest will be starting up again very shortly and will be back out um, in the marketplace looking to, to appoint a coach. Uh, where do you hope to be? So start of next summer, let's say early October, what's your best case scenario? Where would you like South Australian cricket to be at that particular point in time? Well, I'd... If we're just talking about the men's program at the moment with the Redbacks, obviously you have that coach in place. We've done a solid pre-season. Um, what, traditionally, there's a, a one-day tournament, the Marsh Cup, that, that starts off. Wouldn't it be great if we could play that? Mm. Um, and we have a season that's unaffected. I think the reality is uh, there may be some delays or there may be, with all the cost-cutting that's going on, it's, it's probably likely that we'll see reduced number of, of games that, that are being played. Um, that may also come back to what's happening with the World Cup because the the, you know, the one day series provides a good um, form and and so on for those players and a good a good warm up mechanism I would have thought. But so the, the ideal situation: strong wrist, foot, foot you know, very very fit, ready to go. That that's what I would like to see. Um, the women's program: Luke's doing a great job with the Scorpions. So again, with those with those. Um, women, they're, they're training and, and fit and rearing to go and hopefully we'll get as, as full a season as we possibly can and we can flatten the curve and, and get out of the situation we're in now. And membership healthy? It is, it is. We'll go back out um, in July for membership. Uh, there will obviously be some concerns from our members who will be worried about what content they're likely to get um, in terms of value for the dollars that they invest with us and I, I understand that. And we'll have to look at that really closely over the next couple of months and, and see what content, you know, will there be a World Cup? Will there be India touring or will it possibly be another nation if India can't tour? Um, what's happening with the Big Bash? So I'm very mindful of, of making sure that the members, you know, they, they, they can get value for money, um, that they're going to see some, some cricket. And, and as you said, hooky, make sure they're at the back as well for that test <laughs> match. Keith, uh, an incredibly busy time for you, an incredibly challenging time. We really appreciate uh, the effort you've made to come and join us here on Hooked on Sport. No, absolute pleasure. You're listening to the Hooked on Sport podcast, your virtual sports club. Thanks to Keith for finding the time to join us. Uh, People who know Keith may be aware he has had some health challenges of recent times, but he manages to bat them away like he did bowlers during his playing career. So that's it. The umpire's drawn stumps on episode six of Hooked on Sport. As always, tell us who you'd like to appear on the show or share a message about your club and how you're communicating during this period of the great Australian physical distancing. We're at Hooked on Sport on Facebook. Get in contact, say hi, and share with us what your club is up to so we can share it with everyone. Thank you to Ben Watson, who created and performed the musical intro to Hooked on Sport, and to the show's producer, Wallace Long. That's it for Episode 6. We'll see you soon at Hooked on Sport. (laughs) 